You're listening to a Rock Candy podcast. You have arrived at your destination. Would you do? Remember that? What? 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 What would Nickelodeon? <laughs> you remember that show? Yeah, I watched that. That's like, good. I watched that like a week ago. I was, was it back on or? No, no, no. I just YouTubed it. I got into a conversation about '90s Nickelodeon, and I ended up watching yeah. an episode of What Would You Do, which I had totally forgotten was hosted by Mark Summers. Mm-hmm. And I had forgotten the like intro. Uh, where like I don't know, it just scenes of it were very visceral. Yeah, brought back childhood like Some, you yeah, know, something yeah. that was so common to you as I a know. kid, and just over and over you'd watch this over and over yeah. and over, and then completely forget about it yep. for like fifteen years. And then I watched like, it, and like the opening, there was a scene in What Would You Do? The opening where Mark Summers has like a French beret on, and someone just sloppily paints a little mustache on him, and I yeah, had totally I, forgotten that. And it just came back in a flash as I was watching it. Um, Same. It, it just, was wild. That just happened for me in real time. Yeah. As you were talking. <laughs> yeah, it was wild. And yeah. uh, and then I watched. And what would you do was silly. It was fun. I had forgotten about the, uh, well, I've forgotten it again. The uh, the pie seat. It was like a chair. I forgot what it was yeah. called. The pie pod. That's what it was. Um, pie pod. Yeah, the pie pod. And they would put, like, they would put parents usually in the pie pod and then hit them with pies which were just paper plates with whipped cream on them (laughs) and uh, and um what was the thing they climbed through at the end with all the gross stuff on no you're thinking of double dare that was mark summer that was mark summer's other show um which i don't i I, I can't differentiate the difference right now yeah yeah you would know you would know it if you just looked up a screenshot of it because it's uh they're a little bit different but it's both it's all that like early 90s nickelodeon like they didn't know what they were doing it was just like a cheap set like throw some weird eyeballs on the wall kids like Mm -hmm. that you know throw some like geometrical bright patterns and stuff it 110% worked. Yeah, it was great. And I uh, to know. Yeah, there was no like wild lighting or anything. It was just a lit studio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I watched that, and then that got me thinking about other shows, and I watched a Pete and Pete episode. And, nice. And uh, that holds up. Like, that was, you could tell whoever made that, like, it's not like it's amazing or life-changing at this point, but it's like, whoever made it cared about making it. And like yeah. tried to do good, and it's like this sort of like little surrealist world that Pete and Pete live in. It's really cool. Yeah, I need to rewatch some of that. Yes. Yeah. yeah I've, cool. I've just you saying that. Like I remember feeling like, yeah, that was like that yeah. was craft. It was <laughs> you know, crafted. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was. It was. It was punch. And the the episode I watched like halfway through, there's a cameo from Michael Stipe, the lead singer of REM, which, <laughs> which nice. Is cool. Yeah, it's great. Anyway. I, I suppose we're started, right? This is yeah, we're going. <laughs> this is a common creators podcast. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna do what I did last time, and I'm gonna say it, it worked. The, I'm gonna say it at the top again. <laughs> it worked. So uh, this is common creators podcast. I'm the doctor. I'm Will. This is Maestro. It's Joe over there. Uh, and you should reach out to us and let us know topics that you would like to hear us talk about. We got um, a suggestion from a listener, um, a pseudonymous. 
um, or anonymous Ooh. suggestion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but anyway, some really good suggestions. So thank you for that. We'll be looking into them and probably doing an episode on one of those soon. Um, but yeah, reach out to us at Common Creators Podcast on Instagram or Common Creators Podcast at gmail.com. Tell us something that you would like us to talk about an artist, a musician, a band, a piece of art, a movie, a comic book, whatever, whatever you're into. Um, we'll dig into it. All right. So. We talked a little bit. What are we talking about this week? Because I feel like there's going to be a lot to do today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're talking Watchmen today. We're, we're talking, talking Watchmen. We're talking more specifically. Specifically. H- yeah. yeah. We're talking about uh, the show on yeah. HBO. HBO's Watchmen. Uh, created by uh, Damon uh, Lindelof. Lindelof. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. Is the creator and I think head of the writer's room. Uh, I believe. Um, sure. Yeah, I believe so. Let's say he is. He is. He is certainly not the sole writer, uh, which is good because it yeah. would probably <laughs> have been pretty weird and kind of problematic for him to be the sole writer of the show. But uh, mm-hmm. he was. He was, I believe, head of the writers' room. Yeah, he. Uh, he's all. He's a. That would make sense. He was a writer on Lost, yep. uh, The Leftovers. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote the new, I think, Blumhouse movie, The Hunt. Oh, I don't really? Know if that's a Blumhouse movie or not? But he okay. The sort of like uh, most dangerous game style movie yeah. where they're like hunting people. I haven't seen it yet, but yeah. I've heard good things, I guess. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think he also wrote Tomorrowland, which. Oh, interesting. Okay, let's talk about Tomorrowland for a second. <laughs> Have you seen it? No, uh uh-uh. uh. For real? That, no, I haven't that's, seen it. A, that's problematic. Is it? That movie, it got <laughs> crapped on so hard. That movie's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. It's a great See, movie. Okay, I feel like you're being a bit of a Kevin Smith right now, which I don't say in any bad way, but I, I specifically mean I think you and Kevin Smith share this particular opinion real hard. Uh, oh, yeah? And you're outside the norm. Yeah. And I haven't seen yes. it. I don't, I don't have an axe to grind. But, uh, I, yeah. It's great. Yeah. I really, really <laughs> enjoyed it. Yeah. It was so, like, I was, it's one of those, like, oh, yeah, this movie's gonna, oh. Yeah. No, you don't, uh, oh, okay. I yeah. guess I'll shut up about it for <laughs> five years and then bring it up on a podcast. There you go. Yeah. That's what you do with it. Okay. So, yeah. Well, interesting. So, he wrote that, too. Yeah. So, you have a lot of, uh, it sounds like you have a lot of goodwill toward the guy as a writer. Yeah, at least seems like it. Seems like it. Yeah. So Watchmen is um, obviously, probably obviously, for everybody listening to this podcast, based on or is a sort of continuation with uh, the Watchmen graphic novel or series, comic series, if you want to put it that way. Yes. Uh, the twelve issue original Alan Moore DC Comics, you know, powerhouse that defined comics pretty much for the twentieth century. Honestly. So yeah, let's let, let's jump in. Let's just jump into this, okay? Let's do it. So. I, watching this series made me realize something. Okay. First of all, let's say spoilers, but yes, keep going. Yeah. Made you realize I mean, something. Turned on the series, started watching a few episodes in, yeah. and I'm and I'm feeling a certain way about the tone. And okay. I'm like, the tone's a little odd. I like it, but like something's not clicking. And I realized what it was. Okay. The tone matches the graphic novel nicely, I think. Okay. It does not match the feature film. Yes, yes. And it certainly. made me realize that, like, I actually was one of the guys that saw the movie before I ever read the graphic novel. Sorry, shame, 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 yeah. whatever, whatever, whatever. <laughs> but yeah. Zack Snyder made these characters in Watchmen just so incredibly badass. Yeah, yes. And yes. watching the show, it's like, no, they're not. They're not that. I mean, they are, but they're not. That's it's a, like that's it's, a really good it's, point. You, it's silly. You, you, you kind of laugh at these things you're seeing. Sure, but I don't think Zack Snyder ever did. 
hated. I don't yeah. think he ever laughed at it. You know, I mean, even though the the themes still run like, you know, it's all a big yeah. joke, ha ha ha. But yeah. at the same time, it's like, look how badass these guys are. Yes. Right. Yeah. No. I mean, I think that's a really, really good point. And I, obviously, I don't want to dwell on the movie too much. But like, you are correct that I think Zack Snyder's eye toward these characters was very unironic. I guess. And it's not that. Yeah. It's not that the graphic novel or this new show makes fun of superheroes. Like that's not that's not the takeaway. No. But at the same time, it is like it kind of does though. Right. Sort of, but in a very adult type of way. It's not like yeah. Aren't, it's not farcical. It's not like aren't these people silly? But it's like. Like, you're not going to find... Just because you have superpowers doesn't mean you have super goodness or you have moral yeah. clarity in any but type of But there are no superpowers, though. Oh, well, that's true. That's true. That's a good point. It's just people dressing up in a way... Like, in... in they're, with, they're like a yeah. club. With the exception you have of one, Dr. Manhattan, yeah. Yeah, Dr. Manhattan. Well, he's he's the the outlier. He's the... Yes. God among America he's, he's or the, one. the American God or whatever, yes, right? Yes. But I don't know, like, and and part of it was just like the you know the budget for this show is significantly less than something like a feature film, and oh, I sure. and I don't, I don't want to talk about too much about the feature, yeah. But I think it's important because I think that's yeah an an entryway for a lot of people, yeah. Probably right? so, probably so. And yeah. you know, the first thing that I realize is like, okay. In the movie, they got rid of the big squid, right? Yes, yes. Or the big, the big alien, the interdimensional squid, the squid. Yeah. And watching that movie and the tone of that movie, uh-huh. I said, "Yes, that's the right call." Yes. Doctor Manhattan's the real threat here. I did too. Yeah. I said He's that scary. As well. I said that He's as scary. well. He's scary. It's a scary to have for a man to have to, for to be an actual god and be able to do whatever, do, yeah. do whatever he wants. And even thinking back for a long time, I've always thought. I'm just so intrigued by why he picked a squid. Uh-huh. And I think the reason this show solidified it for me, because that's such a silly, random, yeah. stupid thing, that that's yeah. the thing that would save mankind. Well, and to some extent... That mankind is so dumb that, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and to okay. some extent, that um, that plays up the use of the squid, which is incorporated beautifully into the show. Um, yeah. The use of the squid is sort of... That's making fun in a way, like I say, a very adult, not laugh out loud type of way, but it is poking fun at the sort of high adventure farcical nature of what comics yeah. were. You know, it's 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 yeah. a, it's a referendum or not a referendum, but it's it's a reference to the history of comics. You get so much more out of Watchmen if you know what it's talking about, and yeah. Watchmen is is one of those. And one of the things, I mean. I completely agree that the tone of the show matches. It's not a continuation in any way of the movie. It's a continuation no. of the book um, yeah. tonally as well. But one of the things that I think it gets so right is that it rewards the deep dive. You know, and I've heard sure. I've heard Lindelof say this, where it it rewards the more you want to invest, you will find something there. You know, yeah. if you want to invest in yeah. looking at detail and learning backstory, you'll get more out of it. You don't have to. It can be a very fun, just like the book. The book can be a very fun sort of whodunit murder mystery. Um, mm-hmm. And this can be a sort of weird, wacky, superhero, sci-fi alternative history. But right. if you want to dive in and you want to look at, for example, with the show, the PDpedia, which we'll talk about, and, and all that type of stuff, or if you want to look at um, the, the the book and you know study the background of panels, you'll find information that isn't highlighted yeah. for you, stuff like that. So yeah. I, th- I think that was something that was very you know continuous. And um, 
the choice to add a scene of such a a a, a, he, what, a hero that uh lubes himself up and yeah. just slides around <laughs> that's right. that's and right. you never yeah. see him again never like see him i, I again. think that's a clear statement that like yeah. these people are silly yeah sure yeah you know and and they range to some extent from the thing is anyone can do it right yeah and yeah. what type of person are you going to have being a vigilante if they really existed what type of person would actually want to engage in that type of behavior it's not going to be yeah. a normal person it's going to be a weird yeah likely silly or maybe potentially dangerous type of person you know yeah. um so i mean that's part that's part of the genius or, of the whole uh, watchman thing or a, a justified scorned person true right yes we we learned uh what what's the the hero's name uh looking glass is that hooded justice about? No, oh, Hood of Justice. Justice. Yes, yes. So Hood of Justice is... Yes. Uh, I don't remember much about Hood of Justice from the original graphic novel. Yeah. Uh, you didn't learn a lot uh, about him. I think it was more just so in passing, but he was yeah. a, a, essentially the first superhero, right? Yes, I believe. He was He was a, He was. was at least part of the Minutemen, but yeah, I think he was um, the first one. And they never reveal so, his identity in the book. So Yeah. yeah. So I, I think um, the thing that this show utterly and completely got right was... Yeah developing this hooded justice story yes and yes. it's in 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 my opinion he's this character is the superhero in the the real life version of a superhero is someone who would really have to wear a mask in order to actually change things right yeah yeah, yeah. um in in a time where uh, a black man couldn't yeah. do simple things sure that a white man was allowed to do like, sure yeah well, um, and, and so and so, let's talk. So, Watchmen is a as a novel is highly complicated. I'd love to do an issue on, or an episode on that at some point. Um, but the novel is very much about the '80s, the mid '80s, and the sort of like. Um, well, it's about issues in the mid '80s. I'll leave it there. This is very much about issues now. This is a very 2019 yeah. show. This is a post-Trump version of Watchmen. Like, it's dealing with things that yeah. we are dealing with. And I would argue the show is much more American than the book is. The book mm -hmm. is about New York, but at the same time, it's, it's you know, I don't know. This reads to me as more American. The book doesn't <coughs> touch on race, and the show is yeah. all about race, which is sort of the history of yeah. America, uh, and especially a, a, a huge portion and angle on our history that we are, uh, you know, at least the white communities are currently currently yeah. you know waking up to more at least comparatively so so i think i think this is more more of an american take on the on the franchise yeah, and the book and, and and just to compare this type of show to plot against america right yes, yes. Let's they're both that. basically doing the exact same thing they're fictionalizing you know this one's going into the future right yeah and saying what could happen and this one the plot went to the path past and said yeah this also could have happened yeah but the difference is, first of all, heroes, there's disconnect sure, there. Sure. But the second difference is Watchmen is so much more hopeful. <laughs> yeah. Um, in yeah. in humankind, in in uh our morals as a species, I guess. Interesting. The idea that white supremacy in the future is is completely and one hundred percent terrorism. Well, and hold on. Let's let's put a put a pin in it because this is not technically set in the future, right? This is set in an alternative 2019. Sure. So yeah, but, no, but no, I, no, that's it, a, that's a that's a, actually a better comparison because yeah. like this is a, a more hopeful now yeah. than what we have, and that's so 
yeah. terrifying to think that like yeah. that it's the it's kind of the opposite in reality, right? See, I I don't know that I read it. I mean, I certainly read the current present actual political circumstances as terrifying and awful, but I'm not sure that I read this as more hopeful. Uh, I certainly don't read it as like utopian in any type of way. No, um, no. It's it's not dystopian either, but it do, I do think it presents this sort of, there are just different complications that this yeah. society is dealing with. Like, sure. yes, they have acknowledged that white terrorism is white terrorism, um, but at the same time, they're still dealing with issues of like, police accountability um yeah they're still dealing with like i mean it's not justified for them to for the cops and watchmen to raid what they call nixonville over and over just because <laughs> yeah. these folks are are poor no, white right. folks and so yeah. i i do i do think, but it's yeah it, it's it makes me feel <laughs> okay better to watch okay <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> but i think that's a really different thing right yeah. um yeah so no, any, anyway let's let's dig into the plot a little bit and talk about it and we can we can talk about you know formal stuff and we can talk about uh writing and all that as we go along but let's get some let's hang our hat a little bit on some of the plot so this is a continuation it's a sequel essentially to the book um which leaves off in 1986 87 something like that yeah and so. and this picks up in Tulsa so the book was set in New York this picks up in Tulsa Oklahoma um in 2019 and what are the what are the nuts and bolts Angela Abar is the sort of protagonist of this story uh yep. she's a cop um, there's a lot to this world, but we'll spell out what little we can. Cops yeah. have to operate in secret. They essentially, in their personal lives, tell people that they are not police, and then when they go uh, on their you know shift, they cover their faces with these yellow masks and or other masks, whatever. But they yeah, hide their identities. <laughs> yeah, if you're a detective, right. you get other an, another identity. So that's part of it. And then also there is a rise uh, of this group who has apparently been a- around for a while called the Seventh Cal- Cavalry. Um, in Tulsa and in Oklahoma more broadly, who wear masks that look like Rorschach from the book. Um, right. The cheap sort of cloth. Yeah, it's yeah. it's essentially like a, a new kind of version of a, of a KKK or yeah. something. Yeah, it's a new clan hood, basically. But it looks like Rorschach, and I thought that was interesting. That was the first yeah. thing that I was like, huh. What what were your thoughts about that? Because I mean, we we'll we'll presume that people listening I, know who Rorschach is a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I I had I had the same type of uh, initial reaction of like, why Rorschach? Yeah. He was he was a hero. Uh-huh. Um, and the more I thought about Rorschach, though, like he his ideology couldn't couldn't cope with uh, gray areas. Yes. The the idea of a, a, a lesser evil um, uh-huh. for the great of mankind was not not okay. Yes, everything was completely black and white, mm-hmm. and I think that a group like this could take, especially his his, you know, at the end of the the book, he 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 publishes his his journal, right? Yeah. Um, to like, I think a pretty far right leaning, I believe. Yeah, uh, I forget what it's called, but journal. It's sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I could see where like these ideas you could you could use these thoughts to justify your prejudice yes. um, behavior. Yeah, right? I I think it makes sense. Like it, it it at first it sort of caught me off guard, and then as I started to think about Rorschach, I I never thought of him as sort of a hero necessarily, but I yeah. did think of him as 
uh, once I started thinking, like he clearly in the book has this morality of purity where he definitely, it's sort of a taxi driver, like he sees other people as impure or something like that. He has this quote where he uses the term whores in a particular type of way, uh, where he's like, all these people, you know, none of them, they're all scum and blah, blah, blah. And his is not... Uh, explicitly racialized like the Seventh Cavalry's, but it does make sense. This sort of m- yeah. m- this view, this sort of pathological view of kind of moral purity and we're the good guy. Like it makes well, I mean, sense. Look, you know, look look how many people use the uh, the the idea of Christianity to to oppress people. Oh right? sure, yeah, yeah. You yeah. don't have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. well, like, and I mean, you're just che- that's your choice. Yeah, of course. Well, and I mean, you know, you're talking about the middle of the country and a white supremacist group. Uh, the Seventh Cavalry is not explicitly Christianized in this story, uh, but the Klan is. I mean, the Klan is a Christian organization. Yeah. No, so, but I'm, I'm yeah. saying like you're you're using uh, one thing to justify your own personal prejudice. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah definitely. So this whole this whole story is about race. That's I mean, there there's going to be so much, and we'll get to lots of it. We'll get to the squids. We'll get to Jeremy Irons. We'll get to all this stuff. Um, one of the most powerful openings of any show. Uh, that I've seen probably I was gonna try to I was gonna try to give like a uh, like couch that a little bit but I don't think I will one of the most powerful openings uh, when we open in Tulsa in 1921 Um, okay here's the here's the question I keep hearing over and over and over again about this okay do you have a specific memory of learning about the 1921 Tulsa race massacre in school I have a specific memory of learning about the 1921 Tulsa race massacre after I watched Watchmen and then read about it. That is yes. when I learned about that's Tulsa. when I yeah. I I had embarrassingly I, 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 so. I, I swear to God, I'm <laughs> yes. watching this show yes. and I'm thinking like this is the plot against America portion of what could have been. Yes, right. Yes, yes. Um, this could have happened, <laughs> but oh my God, I yeah, it's it's completely and total, you know, yeah. utterly embarrassing. But at the sure. same time, it's like. That's that's how the system's messed up. Yes, of course. Yeah, we were not taught about that particular, you know, and and uh, and there's there there are really good interviews with uh, Lindelof where he talks about learning about this as an adult, you know, yeah. and it's like white communities are not educated on that. Uh, where Black Wall Street was this, I guess I don't know if it was mostly veterans. I'm not sure, or if it was mostly the families of veterans from World War One or something like that. But it yeah, was it sure was either. it was folks who moved to Tulsa and set up, you know, a uh, wealth creating black uh, a wealth creating black community that was sort of colloquially known as Black Wall Street. And then white folks come in and burned it down and bombed it with planes. Like, like, yeah. you know, and there was clan involvement. I don't know exactly the history of all of it. Um, I did at one point, but I, I'm, I'm rusty on it right now. I didn't, you know, bone up before the episode. But nonetheless, I mean, the clan was involved. And the thing that I know is that they did air raids. Like, they dropped bombs out of planes on a, on an Ameri- on a community of Americans in Oklahoma in 21. That's not even that long. That's not even 100 years ago. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, completely unbelievable. And I, I'm the same as you. Like, when I saw this opening, I was thinking... You know, wow, that's a that's a wild you know way to open yeah. this up, and then it's and then I was listening to Lindelof on a podcast, and it's like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like no, com- is- <laughs> uh, American communities of color will often know about this, and <laughs> right. you know, you know, <laughs> us white boys were not taught about it, mm-hmm. so yeah, shocking, um, but not just not in there in any gratuitous way, right? Uh, you need yeah. Tulsa twenty one for this story. It's not there just to sort and of yeah. we as a 
culture need this story. Yes. Just in general. Someone needs to tell this story in some way. Absolutely. Yeah. And and one one of the things that I've I heard the writers say that that HBO's Watchmen is about and they brought this over from the book although it's more about, you know, race in America is the notion of generational trauma or just generations more more generally, you know. Yeah. Um the fact that stories and things are affected throughout generations, right? I think that's a I think those types of stories are stories that we need right now, regardless of whether they're explicitly yeah. about race or not, right? Um, the fact that Angela Abar, who is a co- who's a detective and also sort of a pseudo superhero, um, yeah. the fact that she is who she is, she comes from where she comes from, she has the experiences she has, this is only because of generations that have preceded her. It's because of right. her parents moving to Vietnam. It's because of her grandfather being the little boy in Tulsa. Right. Yeah. And seeing the thing about Bass Reeves and the the little like silent film about the the uh, what, what what do they call him the um, sheriff of Oklahoma the black sheriff of Oklahoma maybe something yeah. like that uh, Bass Reeves but that that character is actually a real character outside gotcha. of Watchmen and uh, they think that he was based on someone or actually was someone I'm not sure about the history who was later uh, an inspiration for the Lone Ranger. And stuff. Wow. So yeah, there's so much like you <laughs> yeah. could dive deep. Uh, but anyway, I, I did want to I did want to talk about the the opening sequence of yeah. Of um, I think uh, I think that the one one thing that kind of relates to how media is covering yeah. a lot of I th- I think I think things are man things are complicated right yes I mean the, the way we talk about uh, protesting and, yeah. and and rioting and and all of these things, right? Sure. Yeah. One thing that kind of uh, stuck me the wrong way, uh, rubbed me the wrong way, when actually reading about the the Tulsa race massacre, was that in most in most uh, books that it was like kept in, yeah, um, it was labeled a race riot. Oh goodness! So you hear the term yeah. race riot, yeah. and think about yeah. all of all of your uncles on Facebook, right? Who sure. are who are saying sure. Yeah, it's you yeah. know I I do think people should be equal, but let's talk about this looting and rioting. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's always that. It's like, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Where are you? Um, what are your priorities in this situation? Right? You know yeah. what I mean? Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, it's one of those things we could we could stop talking about Watchmen altogether and go off on this for twelve hours. 100%. And this is one 100%. thing. This is one thing that Watchmen is part of why I think you're saying this is so needed right now, right? Because we do have to have those conversations. And in the spirit and in the tradition of some of the best science fiction and fantasy, this is not about a world other than our own, even though it has, you know, godlike beings. This is about us and this is about now. And so this allows us a way in to talk about these things to some extent. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Or at least those of us who are who are privileged enough not to just be forced to talk about this all the time, right? <laughs> or or who yeah. are afraid of sticking our foot in our damn mouth uh, and saying something stupid. Yeah. You know, this allows us ways to talk about it. So anyway, you have uh, the sequence is beautifully shot. The the Tulsa the Tulsa thing. It's effective. It's scary. Uh, you sort of share. You sort of have the perspective of this little boy. You follow the little boy. Uh, his parents put him in a truck, and he escapes from Tulsa and sees his parents blown up among other horrendous things. People being dragged behind cars and all sorts of 
awful stuff. And then, and this is what I think is so good about this opening sequence, you see him driving away, you see him walking, the little kid walking on a road right outside Tulsa as it burns, as, as Black Wall Street burns. And then it cuts, it just fades into that same road, 2019. Yeah. And that's when you get the, the, the white guy getting pulled over by the cop and the cavalry member that kicks everything yeah. off. So I don't know what what were you what what sort of thoughts do you have? How do you want to jump in? I I, I don't want to go scene by scene because we don't have time. But no. um, um, things that stick yeah, out I mean, to you or um, I I think all the, all the stuff with the police is interesting. If if we want to yeah. kind of sure break that down a little bit, sure. Um, especially like kind of currently with with you know there have been some police who are are feeling um, like they're being uh, treated unequally, right. <laughs> which is you know right. yeah and. Uh, again, I don't. We're not here to get into that kind of stuff. I know. Yeah. But you you look at a show like this, mm-hmm. and police have uh, police were were killed in their homes. Yeah. Because a uh, 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 this terrorist group, the Seventh Cavalry, figured out uh, where these police lived, mm-hmm. went in, killed them all, except for a few. Right, a yeah. few survived. Killed a lot of them. So yeah. after this, you know, if you're a police officer, you have to hide your face to protect yourself. Sure. Um, which that's really complicated because yes. it's like... Yes, it is. So much less accountability, right? Yes. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. You know, I, I'm, I'm retracting some of the stuff I said earlier just because it was like an emotional like... Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I want to see white supremacists <laughs> beat down, sure. beating their face down. I mean, we all do. But, yeah, I, but at this, yeah. at the same time, when these police do... Come to Nixonville and yeah. just say, "All right, let's." And you know yeah. that none of them are responsible for this one thing. Yes, you know a a good person is gonna feel, "Oh, don't, no, 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 don't yeah. do that." Like that's yep. not, you know. But that's 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 how you should feel as yeah. a moral person. You yeah. don't want people to hurt, right? Yeah. But at the same time, with these types of fictional shows, it's like the classic Taken. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. his daughter was taken, and. Yeah. He has a particular set of skills, right? Yeah. To where he's going to make you feel yeah. so justified yeah. and pumping your fist in the air as these people are being tortured. Sure. sure. I think there's probably something about these types of scenarios that like are built to like let us let off some a little bit of steam, right? Yeah. Well, um, but yes. at the same time when you Yeah. <laughs> no, I was going to say yes, but this one is, I think not, they want to not play as much into this one. Yeah, yeah. they want to play into that ambiguity of like, oh, but shit, none of them actually, you know, yeah. the people you are grabbing and beating, this is an abuse of police power with no oversight, no accountability. And in part, like, there's probably lots of racism going on in Nixonville, but at the same time, uh, there's also yeah. a lot of sort of economic exploitation and oppression. And so it's like, you know, it's just, it's, it's rich in that way, <coughs> you know? Yeah. Um, this is at the same time, uh, you know, officers of law enforcement who are beating on people essentially for being poor. Yeah. And and it's, so it's like, it doesn't, in no way is it sort of making equivalencies, right? It's not saying, well, maybe the yeah. white supremacists are, act- no, 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 fuck them. But at the same time, it is yeah. like, it is complicated. And this is why the, this is why it's so good that this is a Watchmen series because there aren't good guys and bad guys, once again. Um, there yeah. are people you like and you get to know, but they are also morally problematic in various situations. Right. But anyway, I don't know. I, 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 think, I think the setup, though, for, for a lot of us, just generally, that, that white supremacists are considered a terrorist organization. Yes. 
is just cathartic. Yeah, absolutely. To, to see, you yeah. know. Oh, finally, um, we're talking about it in yeah. that type of language. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, and it's treated as such, right? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Uh, so I'm trying to think what else with policing. One of the things that I heard Lindelof talk about quite a bit in the uh, so a lot of my information and research came from uh, HBO did an official podcast for this show. I don't know if you listened to any of that or not, but it was um, no. it was very very good. They did one ep- one episode of the podcast for every three episodes of the show. So there's nine episodes of the show, and so there's three episodes of the podcast. And it was just a long form, like maybe a little over an hour, of this guy interviewing Lindelof. And they just dug in and they talked about all the influences and they talked about everything he'd read and how he was you know writing it and everything. Yeah, and so, uh, so that's where a lot of my information is coming from. But one of the one of the things he kept coming back to as a theme that ran throughout the series is the idea of masks and what do they yeah. mean and what do they mean to different people and how do they you know function? Um, and so, if you have cops wear masks, what does that mean? Um, you know, mm-hmm. why do people choose to put on masks? What counts as a mask, especially when you have like hooded justice who has sort of this double mask on? You know, or yeah. even triple, yeah. I guess, really, because he's also a um, at least a bi character, if not a gay character. Yeah. So anyway, that's a that's a rant, but um, but we were talking about policing, and so that that sort of led me to think about masks as they play into the story. I mean, I I don't know why that didn't even click with me watching it. I feel kind of dumb that like the whole idea of vigilantes being. Um, outlawed right yeah it's 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 illegal to be an a a vigilante but at the same time your 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 um your detectives are 100 percent vigilantes yes absolutely (laughs) it's just they're the legal version (laughs) yeah yeah Um, sort of state sanctioned vigilantes i think with this this type of show there's just so much going on that if you don't have like a podcast to listen to as you're watching it's hard to yeah kind of digest everything there there's so many different elements right yeah Yeah. and that's that's one thing that i would say about this show in general is once again i'm gonna say this a bunch but much like the book um it rewards investment so if you read watchmen two or three times you're gonna get different things out of it each of the two or three times you read it same with the show i think if you so i didn't rewatch the entire series i rewatched a few episodes to prep for this and there's stuff in there that you're not going to see the first time through because it references things that you don't know yet or you're just not paying attention or whatever it is and so i think that's that's one of the strengths of it is that there's so much there yeah they had uh, apparently they had during the writing sessions it took them two years to make this show from writing it to getting it done and uh, they would have writing sessions where they would get together and they would have homework to just read one issue of the original and then come in and bring new angles and new insights and new stuff like this and they started referring in the writer's room to the original book as the Old Testament (laughs) which I thought was good that's fun yeah Yeah, so let me think Uh, do you have anything else to say on uh, police and the the sort of themes of that in the show I mean Mm. stuff I don't think so. Up, but yeah, stuff, stuff might come stuff up. Stuff might come up. Um, what else is going on? So let's talk about Jeremy Irons because I don't want to leave him out. Yeah. Um, uh, have I ever told my Jeremy Irons story on this podcast? I don't think you have. No, and I think it's probably okay. time. Okay. So <laughs> I've met slash kind of worked with Jeremy Irons very very briefly a few years ago. He was in town shooting a movie, and. Uh, we got a call at uh, our studio that he needed to record a line or two of ADR for yeah. a movie um, that was coming out soon-ish. Uh, are you, are you at Assassin's Liberty? Creed? Okay, I was gonna. I didn't yeah. know if you're at Liberty. Is I think so. I yeah, think it's cool. fine. Cool, cool. Right? Uh, yeah. People record ADR for movies all the time. Mm-hmm. 
Um, at the time, I wasn't allowed. I, I, I basically they send you a clip of the movie. Um, he comes in, we do the ADR, and then they give you directions on how to dispose of it, right? Yeah. <laughs> because like yeah. nothing can get out for these studio movies. But yeah, we 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 recorded a couple lines for, and it was literally like just a few lines, like yeah, three or four, right? Mm-hmm. So his he's got a runner, uh, a guy you know with a flat build cap who's like got a couple different cell phones and he's clicking and and, and wheeling and dealing and he uh, pops in and. He, he he's like, uh, uh, Mr. Irons is here. Are we good to blah 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 blah? Da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah. And uh, eventually, Mr. Irons comes in, and you know we greet him. He says hello, and he's got his dog Smudge with him. Uh huh. Yeah. And uh, he uh, brings his dog in. He takes the. <laughs> he's wearing like this like burlap sack of a shirt. Sure. And he he he's got this tweed leash for his dog. He's mm-hmm. like, do you mind if I? you know, let Smudge run about and like, <laughs> of course, Mr. Jeremy Irons, of Smudge course. can run about in the studio. Of course, Scar from the Lion King, you can do whatever yeah, you want. Uh, <laughs> of course, Alfred Pennyworth. <laughs> so he yeah. takes, he takes the, the, the leash off of Smudge and he ties it around his waist, like, like a little like grass string looking finishing piece on his burlap sack yeah. of a shirt he looks like he just came here from his island <laughs> sure. right of course Which he he has he owns his own island oh my god he has a little he island that's where he lives he yeah yeah um so <laughs> he's doing the adr chris chris is engineering the session and i'm kind of overseeing and he's in and out pretty quick but he's yeah. he's getting ready to leave and i stand up as he's walking out and you know I basically say thanks uh mm-hmm. and he just touches my arm and he says bless you and then he leaves and that was my that's my jeremy iron story it's so good like he's yeah. every bit of what you want him to be right mm-hmm. he's not just okay i'm an actor doing my okay yeah. i got i got a meeting here i got a no, yeah. no he he lives on his island with yeah. smudge yeah well and, he's, and he talks he only says the words that are necessary yeah right yeah he's got to save up that emotional <laughs> juice and the thing is after he said that you actually are blessed now like that's not i just feel a, it yeah that's not just a, a thing to say yeah <laughs> so, so so let's talk about him in in watchmen yeah um oh it's yeah. so absurd his part his part <laughs> in this show is so absurd it's so good yeah maybe may, maybe my one of my oddly my favorite part of the show sure in a way yeah in another way it's just like what is did, this adding up to okay like what where are we going did you what was that a question that was driving you because i know that the writers were intending for i mean it's supposed to be a mystery right um they yeah. set it up 100 no, percent. yeah okay for so me. they set yeah. it up like a mystery like a murder mystery which is a sort of reference back to the first one the first the the book the comedian gets killed in chapter one and that sets up this murder mystery but it's really not just about that in this Judd Crawford, who is uh, Miami Vice, Don Johnson, uh, he gets killed yeah. in the first episode, and that sets this up. But there are all these other mystery elements, including this with Jeremy Irons, where, what? Why are we cutting to this castle? He's Jeremy yeah. Irons is in this castle. He yeah. has two people with him, a man and yes. a woman. Mr. Crookshanks and, and, yep. and Miss... What was her name? I no, Mr. M- Miss Crookshanks and Mr. Phillips. Those are the two. Yes, Miss yeah. Crookshanks and Mr. Phillips. 
That's great. And he's written this play, and they, yeah. they brought him, like, and they're going to act in this play, and they act yeah. in the play, and he's watching it, and he's like cheering and, and directing at the same time. Yeah. And then he, and then he sets the man on fire, and then he dies. Yes. And it's, and then he, t- and he's like, no, cry, cry, Miss uh, Crookshanks, cry. And she's yeah. crying, and she's acting, and then she bows. Yeah. But then Mr. Phillips comes back out, mm-hmm. and then turn the camera. There are many Mr. Phillipses yes. and many Miss Crookshankses. That's the right? turn, right? Right, that's the turn. Yeah, where you go, oh, okay. <laughs> so, and yeah. at first you're thinking, wow, he's Adrian Veidt has figured out a way to create life. Yeah, was mm-hmm. that your first thought? Well, okay, so yes, kind of. I thought, well, he's cloning them, and the thing is, yeah. And I didn't remember this until after I did a little supplementary reading after I watched it the first time last year, which is that Adrian Veidt in the book already has these sort of genetically modified pets around him all the time. So this ties into, if you're like a deep dive Watchmen fan, you could go, okay, well, this is just more Adrian Veidt. It's more complicated, but this is what he's up to. He's cloning people or something. Yeah. I mean, that was was my thought. So, yeah. And then, so so interesting. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And you can tell he's incredibly bored and you don't know why he's there or where he's there. Yes. The reason for him being there is kind of wonderful from a bird's eye view, I think. Yeah. You know, Mr. Manhattan... You know, in uh, Doctor Manhattan. Stupid. So <laughs> he didn't spend stupid. eight years at Manhattan Medical School. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Manhattan leaves Earth, right? Yeah, yeah. He's bored of people. Yeah, he's bored of mankind. Yes, he doesn't at all relate anymore. No, he's becoming God essentially. He's he becoming has, God. Yeah. So he he goes to Mars. He creates some things there. Gets mm-hmm. bored. Sure. Sets up a decoy. Goes to Jupiter and <laughs> yeah. creates life. Yes. He basically does become God, uh-huh. and there's an interesting backstory there with you know uh, a, a, like a yeah. very human personal experience of watching this man and woman, and he basically recre- recreates this man and the woman from yeah. his 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 memory. Yeah, and then he's like, "Okay, I created life. I'm going to leave now." Yeah, and then he basically gives Adrian Veidt the opportunity to rule. Yes, right. Yes. Uh huh. So you have this whole thing where it's like you think that it's Adrian Veidt who's figured out a way to uh-huh. clone and create these people. It's yeah. like, no, it's just it's just Doctor Manhattan's thing that he's he's given to the smartest man in the world to yes. like, you know, who's also what's great I think about the parallel there is mm-hmm. that Doctor Manhattan is so powerful he chooses to leave the planet. Yeah. To create life because yeah. he's bored of people. Sure, Adrian Veidt gets old and he's a hundred percent bored of people. He's <laughs> yeah. he's tired of yes. sending the the slugs down to remind people not to kill each well, other. Well, he's tired, ta- and know? that's the thing. Like he is he is exhausted of trying to get people to act how he thinks that they should act. Right. Yeah. He's tired of trying to bring out what he sees as the nobility in people. And Adrian Veidt is a terribly complex character. Yeah. And is not by any means like a straight up hero. But at the same time, no. He, it, you can sort of understand his perspective yeah. only in terms of like they still just won't do things that are positive for them. They keep doing these things, you know. Mm-hmm. They keep building atomic weapons, and I have to send slugs to or squids, excuse yeah. me. Um, yeah, all this kind of stuff. Squid. So yeah. Anyway, yeah. So I mean, the, this this parallel of Doctor Manhattan's story, and then like the smartest man in the world, human man in the yeah. world, basically mimicking kind of that story, but in a way that's very. <laughs> 
you know, very um, hollow and like weak. <laughs> Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Am I making sense? Yeah, Where I it's think like, so. you know, they both left Earth. Yes. To rule their own creations, <laughs> yeah. and here's Adrian Veidt. Like I, I, I didn't understand if it was a thing where he learned to like just basically clone the people that Doctor uh-huh. Man- Manhattan created, yeah, or if they just kind of kept popping up out of this, this, <laughs> this, this. Yeah, what about if, that if, part, right? Where he like goes yeah, fishing the, the lake, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And I, I'm thinking, is that how Manhattan ha- just has it set up to where yeah. it's like they kind of come out of this water and like, and, and then Adrian yeah. knows that and he goes and fishes for a new one and then he yeah. speeds up the process. I don't know, yeah, right? And, and, yeah, um, and it, it doesn't, doesn't really doesn't, matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. So and and did you notice in the Adrian Veidt subplot? Did you notice the fact that, or did you think about the fact that like Crookshanks and Phillips give him anniversary parties, and we get to see those passing fairly quickly? Because I never really like I never put it together that what we were watching was sort of on a different timeline on my first watch through because we get to see Phillips and Crookshanks yeah. bring him cakes with various numbers of candles. Right. And you see that yeah. over just an episode or two. And so what that is telling you is he is being, we are seeing time pass more quickly there than in yeah, the story I, no, in I, Tulsa. No, I, di- I didn't pick up on that, but that'd be yeah. interesting to rewatch in yeah. the sense that like at the end of the, ep- the series, you see him, being sent there right and that's maybe does that where it starts um i don't know where it starts but i mean he ends up you know quite earlier he is on earth the whole time through the angela abar story you remember that right so this is a different okay so So that let me yeah that was that was a problem i had okay with with the his daughter sending the spaceship to come and get him yes she has done it's kind of silly she had done that before the show starts presumably um, okay. Before the Angela Abar story starts, because um, it's it's a twist that actually, um, funnily enough, I was listening to this earlier today. Lindelof describes it as what he calls the Saw Two twist, <laughs> where he said he saw he watched Saw Two, and at the end of that, there's this twist where scenes that you have seen and you think are happening side by side, parallel in time, you actually realize that one set of those has happened at a different point in the timeline, and that changes the game. Yeah, and so what's going on here is. Adrian Veidt is inside of that statue that his daughter has the whole time, you know? Right. Wh- which is why they ask later, like, why did you make the statue so old? And she gives some BS answer about, like, oh, well, we venerate old people or something. No, no, no. It's because you have encased him whenever you brought him back I, from Mars or wherever he was, Europa or whatever. Yeah, I com- that completely didn't yes. click with me yes. watching. So all yeah. that stuff that you're seeing where he with Crookshanks and all that stuff, this is all before the main Tulsa storyline. So the sort well, how, of present how long, day Tulsa storyline. How long is, is Angela's story from eight years? Is that right? Um, 10 uh, years. Like in know, 10 years, we will, we will, the, the tr- yes, trauma, maybe something they specifically like that. say that. So that, that gives yeah. you an idea of probably, yeah. Cause when her story starts, that's when Adrian gets sent to Jupiter. Yes. I because mean, that's when Dr. Manhattan <laughs> decides he's going to yeah. start his love story. Yes. And he's like, hey, I'm about to forget everything, dog. Yes. So, like, let's. So, like, you know. You go do this. If, if you, you want to go do this, yeah. like, I can't come get you because yeah. this is my choice. So, let's talk. <coughs> let, that brings us to Dr. Manhattan. Let's talk about him. Yeah. Uh, so I, thought, I thought the Manhattan stuff was brilliant in this show. Yeah. Because um, you know he's going to show up. I mean, that's yes. the whole thing. So, you know he's yeah. going to be there. Yeah. I, I have some com- conflicting thoughts on it, and Excellent. I don't know how much 
I don't know how much it's fueled by the tonally from Zack Snyder's movie, and yeah. that, that's that's what bothers me. Okay, I think. Hold, hold on one second. Can we put a pin in Manhattan and take a break and then come back? We're at like 50 minutes. Yeah. Does that work? All right. Yeah. Check this out, everybody, and we'll be right back to talk about Dr. Manhattan. My name is Matt Langston, and I play in a band called Eleventy Seven. I'm an artist, a producer, and I also host my own podcast right here on Rock Candy called Eleventy Life. We talk with the people behind your favorite songs and albums, from the writers to the producers and everyone in between. And we're not asking your favorite artists the same old boring questions like, where did your band name come from? And who's your favorite Friends character? We're asking questions like, why did your marriage fail? Where does love come from? Is God real? It is a show about the importance of creativity and pursuing your passions. And we don't let guests leave until it gets a little bit uncomfortable. So check it out right here on Rock Candy and your favorite podcast app. I uh, I got an apple bubbly this time. Oh, very nice. I am actually having a key lime LaCroix, which you turned me on to. So. They're the best ones. Yeah, they're great. Uh, it's got that Do Skittles you... back end on it. It does. Which is Absolutely great. it yeah. does. Do you know what mine tastes like? What is it? Uh, apple. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I could see <laughs> it coming. Dennis the Menace there. Hell yeah. All right. So we back. Let's uh, talk about Dr. Manhattan. You said you had some so, <clears throat> thoughts or the, questions or complaints I, or something. I, I have some conflicting thoughts. Yeah. Um, not about how, not as much about how he was portrayed. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like, so let's talk about the Dr. Manhattan from the feature for a minute. Okay. Um, the Dr. Manhattan from the feature ends in a place where he is so beyond mm-hmm. mankind, yeah. right? That he can be anywhere all the time at once. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really care about human emotions. He's no. leaving the planet because he just doesn't want to deal. And I don't think, I think my problem is that, like, I want his choices to come back to Earth, to fall in love, to basically be. It's almost like the Jesus story, right? Yeah. Okay. God gave his only son, sure. his only son being <laughs> himself sure. to be human, to forget who he was, yeah, right? Yeah, this embodied divinity sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm, I'm, I'm cool. I, I actually, I yeah. like, it's, it's a fun, it's fun twist. It's like, yeah. it's interesting. It's, uh, there's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. I think for me, it's just, I wanted, I wanted his choice to do that, to be a little bit more earned instead of just, just right. get on board. Just right. get on board with the fact that he, he he's going to come back and fall in love with this woman and yeah. so, um, die you know, yeah. at the end, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spoilers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think part of why it's tricky to do anything with Dr. Manhattan, this is the reason you can't write a God character, really, yeah. is because once you get away from humanity totally, you're just not... It's like writing about... It's like writing about a mountain range or something. There's not... Um, yeah. It just is something that just is. It's not something that has a psychology to it, really. Yeah. And so I, I did, I understand that, and but yeah. I feel like to make it earned is to make him more human. You know what I mean? So yeah. that like, no, I get that. So that like he says, you know, I mean, and I think this question comes up, the later episodes are the ones I didn't rewatch, so I might be a little, a little off on this, but I, I have a memory of him saying, uh, a few times, like them asking someone asking why he does X, Y, or Z, and he says because it is what I have done or what I will do or something like that. Right? It is. Yeah. It, it just is what happens. Like this is what happens yeah. next. And I, I think the other part of me, or actually the same part of me, yeah. like the 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 questioning regarding the plot part yes. of me is like, is that just convenient? Is that a little writing? too convenient? Yeah. Right. That it happens to 
the the lead in this story and yeah. that her you know her father experienced this thing and then mm-hmm. but at the same time if the other read and I think my preferred read of this story is yeah. that he's kind of probably up until this point that's one Dr. Manhattan doing this thing uh-huh. right that's yeah. one version of him falling in love with this woman yeah. for x y and z uh-huh. that stops Dr. Manhattan for those 10 years or whatever mm-hmm. but there are also all of these other Dr. Manhattans off experiencing all of these other things ah interesting it's not just a person making this choice it's Mm -hmm. no he's doing everything all at once at this point yes and that certainly is the case in terms of time uh i don't know that it's that that that's intended to be the case in terms of like space or location but it definitely is like you know there's one point and i'm going to get some of this wrong the details of the plot but there's one point at which dr manhattan has some information that he gave in the past to i think will reeves her grandfather that he yeah. gave some information to will reeves in the past and the way that he did that is that she angela gives the information to dr manhattan right now and so yeah. because she tells him right now that therefore he knew it slash knows it in the past and it's, can deliver it's it like in the past t- it's like uh, time travel in, uh, inception yes. instead of sleep inception. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That like an idea can be planted into the past because yeah. of something that's already happened. Yes, and it's she's essentially asking a question about something he hasn't done yet, and yes. that gives him the idea to do the thing that she's asking about. Yes, right? yes, and so he um, is. Just, and it's, it just yeah. is. He like, just is unstuck in time. He is not. He is not subject to the linear timeline that all of us are subject to. And therefore, if I tell you something now, that can affect what you do in 1965 or whenever, you know. Yeah. And to say affect is sort of the wrong word, right? I mean, the story has to create, vis-a-vis Dr. Manhattan, has to create this sort of little uh, little bubble that's just kind of enclosed on itself. So, yeah. that, so that there is no beginning or end. It's just this kind of looping. It just is. It just is there. And so, again, as you say, I mean, I, I understand the potential critique that, well, that's pretty so, convenient. <laughs> yeah, so beyond the convenience and sure. beyond just getting on board with the fact that Dr. Manhattan is just a loving, caring yeah. human. Right. I think that it just went against what I knew Dr. Manhattan to be from yeah. where he ends up in the movie and yeah. in the you know the comic. Do you but, think uh, he you know, is? I don't do you, know. Do you think he is read as sort of loving and stuff like that? I mean, I think to some extent, the 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 parts the parts where he interacts with her, and maybe I'm misremembering or forgetting something. Uh, the parts where he interacts with Angela when he doesn't have that sort of thing in his brain that shuts down lots of his capacities, like when he does that and he is Cal, which is a great nod, yeah. by the way. When he's yeah. Cal. He is a loving husband and father and stuff like this. But when he is full on Dr. Manhattan mode, he's much less personal, right? He's much less sure. concerned. I mean, he walks up and like when he hits on her in the bar, it's not that he's incredibly charming. Um, it's it's no, more but, that, I mean that's yeah. that's more of a personality trait. His actions sure. are still Right, right, right. The same. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. seem to suggest that he cares. In some type of right. Way. I mean, otherwise yeah. he wouldn't. He would. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No. But totally. I mean, the, the way the way they write that away is that he he doesn't have a choice. It's not his choice. It's, it's just yeah. what happens. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So 
I don't know. I, that that kind of stuff is yeah. It's fine. It's and also, fine. I I heard I heard uh, Lindelof say something to the extent of like, even if Manhattan knows conceptually everything that's going to happen, so that when he's going to die, he knows he's going to die, and it's not about him having a choice to not do that, or he knows that he's going to love Angela, but he doesn't necessarily in the moment it's he's wanting to make that distinction i think with the character between knowing something conceptually and having the experience of it so like sure. he knows he is he knows conceptually that he is going to love angela abar but he doesn't know what that's like yet because he doesn't yet you know but he knows yeah. that he is going to and it is just already there yeah that he is going to sure. so yeah no i can i can see that being as with many stories any type of time travel or time paradox is going to be pretty much impossible yeah. to write in a in a way that doesn't that yeah. doesn't invite any criticism. Yeah, so uh, I think the yeah. other part of it is just like I didn't realize I'd get another Doctor Manhattan love story. Like I thought sure. that was over. Yeah, right? yeah. So that that was. It, I think it it just caught me off guard in yeah. a sense that like a second rewatching, like I'm in. Yeah, and I can just enjoy the choices. There. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So let me think. What else do we want to talk? About? I want to talk a little bit about Looking Glass. I think that's another Looking point. Gra- Glass is is great. Yes, um, yes, he is. That actor is wonderful. Let me look. And actually, yeah. um, Cal as well. Let me look up his name too, because Cal is played by. Oh, I'm going to get his name wrong. Abdul Mateen II is his last name. Not Yaya? <laughs> Yaya. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's how you say it. I was just looking at it. I'd heard it said, but it had been a while. Yeah. Yaya Abdul Mateen II. He is great. Um, yeah. He was great in Black Mirror. He, he's he been yeah. great in lots of stuff. Um, and it, 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 was, it was a thing where when you realize that he was yeah. Dr. Manhattan all the time, you're like... Oh, of course he is. Yeah, like it's yeah, perfect. Yeah. Yes. Kind of, you know? And they call him Cal, which is which is wonderful. Yeah. So he's great. And then Tim Blake Nelson is the guy who plays Looking Glass. Yeah. Probably made famous, at least to me, in uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? The Coen Brothers. Sure. Film. Yeah. Um, I know he's 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 done a lot of Coen stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But I think that was probably his first. Uh, that was the first one I saw, but it might just be my age. You know, the, so. the, I'm thinking of the scene where um, the uh, women are singing and he's he's getting <laughs> baptized. And, yeah. Come on, the the water is fine. The water is fine. <laughs> oh man, he's so good. Um, but so good. and but I thought you know I love him in this because the Coens often use him in a way that is kind of plays to what could be his sort of inherent goofiness, right? Yeah. Just his physical features, like you can see why they would have him play sort of sort of wacky, kind of goofy characters. Sure. You know what I mean? But this mm-hmm. does not lean into that at all, and I love that fact. Yeah. You know, like yeah. there are little scenes where he does something that's a little bit cartoonish or something uh, with his yeah. mannerisms, but it is very much, you take him seriously from minute one, and I loved seeing this actor in that capacity. Yeah, and uh, yeah. If, if if anything, and we haven't even talked about, uh, we, we, we don't have too much, but mm-hmm. Laurie Blake um, being sure. the main character in this. Yes. Pretty great. Yes. And that she kind of comes in, and she's, she's experienced, she's really lived the the watchman post minutemen kind of life sure of being a superhero and being yeah. regarded as such yeah and now that she's kind of known as the vigilante hunter or whatever mm-hmm. or whatever that is that she kind of comes in and she pokes fun at looking glass the most that she thinks is yeah his mask is silly yeah. and she keeps calling him mirror guy and yeah. he's like it's looking glass, looking glass. <laughs> so that it you know the fact that his code name is something that she keeps making <laughs> yeah. fun of is is 
pretty great. It is pretty great. And I thought I loved the care that they give to all the little parts of this story is yeah. so good. The fact that we get to see he has such a coherent and such a thematically strong uh, yeah. origin story. Right, that he survived yeah. the squid. He was what in Jersey or something, and he was like a teenager. He was an yeah. evangelical. Was it Jehovah's Witness or something? something? Like he was out on a mission with his with his church group and stuff. And he, then all of his clothes had been stolen. Yes, um, in, yes. in a in a fun house. Yeah, and then, and then like this terrible cosmic radioactive. Yeah. yeah, millions of people die. Thing happens, and he's right there in the middle of it. And yeah. Everyone around him is dead, and the reason he survived is because he was in a funhouse full of mirrors. Yeah, and it, and you know like and the fact that, the fact that like that traumatic i mean that traumatic incident and i mean that in two senses the squid obviously but also the woman who he runs into who's making fun of him right i mean she she yeah. acts like she wants to have sex with him and seduce him and stuff like that she takes him into this funhouse mirror and steals all his clothes and is laughing at him and yeah. like both of those traumas right back to back and the fact that like it plays on his shame so deeply yeah and <laughs> i don't know and the fact that that ties in later when we get the later story of him meeting the woman at the the sort of PTSD group therapy session yeah and looking glass's whole thing is that he takes himself he's a human lie detector he's a human lie detector and he misses it with the woman that he meets right yeah which is a refrain on yeah. his initial sort of uh origin story where yeah. he, misses he misses it again it. you know yeah and it's just so good that's just that's strong writing yeah. there um yeah. thematic refrain. and it doesn't feel it feels like one of those things where when you think it through and it's nuts and bolts you go oh yeah that is what they're doing but when you're watching it it doesn't draw attention to itself it's like yeah you know it just feels i, I, I feel like looking looking glass to me I, I don't know maybe maybe with the origin story with with the uh mm -hmm. the giant squid mm -hmm. and uh the look and the the his his kind of tone and and manner mannerisms sure. and stuff yeah felt the most watchman thing of the whole thing to me yeah i mean he um, felt to me very rorschach actually um yeah like rorschach but like kind of the opposite right well yeah like, yeah 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 but visually um yeah visually visually very rorschach and then there's one scene and i don't remember which uh episode it's in but there's one scene where he's sitting there in his in his place and he's eating beans out of a can or eating some sort of food out of a can he's got yeah. just his mask pulled up i mean that's straight rorschach well, he, visually he, he lives in a bomb shelter yes exactly yeah, underground he's he's yeah. he's yeah he's terrified his mask yeah. the reason he wears it is because yeah. it can protect him from radi radiation and so when he's not wearing his mask he's wearing his hat which also has it lined in the hat yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it's so yeah. beautiful because at the end you realize this fear he has of of yeah. it, it's not true. No, it's, it's based it's a, on a it's lie. All, it's based on a, a lie. Yeah. It didn't happen. The you squid. Have to... The squid wasn't an attack. It was an intentionally done political yeah. act by Adrian Veidt. Man, which I so still good. don't. I you know I still like. I think the one the one great thing that that Zack Snyder did for the for the story was like yeah. used what he had to, yes. to, to make it all work. Oh no, totally. I, I do um, feel like, how did, yeah. how did he, how did, how did Adrian Veidt create and transfer such a giant? You know, I, squid? I don't remember from the book. I'm not sure Other than how he's he just, that. he's just the smartest man and he grew it somewhere. I, I don't yes. Know. Um, there is, there is something in the book that suggests something like that. Like the squid does exist, before it is transferred. And I'm not even sure that it's coming from 
another dimension. Like, I don't know that it comes from no, another I don't dimension. Think, I think yeah. he creates it on Earth and then just transports it into the middle of yeah. a city or something he's like got, that. He's got like a... Yeah, Yeah. there's something There's something talking about the squid before it happens in the book, and I don't remember what it was. Yeah. But yeah. But, but I mean, Adrian Veidt is sort of, once again, Watchmen the original is about comics. And so Adrian Veidt is sort of the paradigm kind of science wizard type a little yeah. bit you know he's sort of the yeah. sort of the tony starkish <coughs> tony starkish type yeah character. and then there's so much so much to go over yeah and, there and is I, I we don't have to spend a ton of time on all this stuff but mm-hmm. like but then the other the other like element is that the other piece to the puzzle is that it's adrian veidt's daughter yeah. who becomes the big bad essentially who's yes. who's trying to gain dr manhattan's power yes and and what's her name again lady daughter lady true right yeah I think so. And she becomes his daughter because he had, you know, basically somebody working beneath him who, mm-hmm. you know, took his, his, uh, uh, what you call it? His, Sperm? His, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was thinking of the, the vial and, and, uh, but yeah, and, yeah. and, and injected herself, yeah. um, to become impregnated yeah. with, the seed of the <laughs> smartest man in the world. Yes. But she also, um, like, while she's doing it, doesn't she say, like, fuck you, Adrian Vine? <laughs> Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it's yeah. like, and that, that's, there's an interesting class structure thing yeah. and, and social structure thing throughout this whole thing. And it's, yeah. I think what's, I think what's great about this show and maybe one of its weak links are kind of the same thing. Uh-huh. It's just that there's so many things to dig into. It's about uh, this, it's about this, it's about this, it's about yeah. this. But at the end of the day, it's kind of hard to say what the, like, if you could boil down one thing, like, oh. what's the show actually trying to say? Interesting. I'm not sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of Watchmen, though, right? Kind um, of. Yeah. I mean, it, that's an interesting potential critique, though. Like, is yeah. it too thematically, not messy, but too dense thematically or yeah. something like that? Yeah. I mean, it's a and, fair and, it's a fair question. And, you know, I, I think the reason it's an important question is that they have a, a huge opportunity here to actually say something yeah. that will... And, and I, yeah. I think that there are pieces, you know, that are that do that. But the show as a whole, um, yeah. is it is it too Watchmen to actually teach us a lesson? <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. No, that's interesting. Um, I don't know. Well, are there any other particular parts that you want to that you want to talk about, or do you want to like slowly bring it in and talk about our general takeaways? Yeah, I, I, I think that's fine. Okay. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah we, um, we've covered most everything. So I think I think my takeaway is going to have to do with essentially what you just said, like the potential critique of is there too much going on for it to sort of teach a lesson or have a sort of solid thesis or something like this. And yeah. I don't, I don't think so. I think that's a potential pitfall, but I don't think that it's one that it lands on. To me, this sure. story front to back, while there are elements about you know, maybe class with Adrian Veidt or whatever, I think this story through and through is about race in America. Yeah. That's why I think it keeps coming back to one of the one yeah. of the factoids that I wanted to bring up. There's a scene where I guess it would be Angela Abar's great grandfather is fighting in World War One, right? This is before Tulsa before anything and it shows yeah. him marching uh, or not marching but like walking in World War One uh, in Germany somewhere I think or something um, and there's a whole sequence where this German official types up what is essentially a propaganda flyer do you remember this part yeah 
Yeah. And he throw the it shows planes throwing out these propaganda flyers. And the propaganda flyers essentially say something like, you know, black members of the American military, why are you here fighting Germans? Um, and it says, you know, are you respected in the United States? You know, what is democracy to you if you can't even get a seat in a you know restaurant where white people eat? Uh, yeah. Are are you not treated as second class citizens? All this kind of stuff. It says basically, why don't you just defect and walk over to Germany? Because in Germany, you know, people of color have you know nice positions in business and are treated you know better and etc cetera, etc cetera, right yeah i don't know if you came across this but that flyer is verbatim real like word for word oh, no word for word that is a real world war one german flyer and this is pre-nazis obviously because world war one yeah but that is a verbatim thing and apparently that same strategy was used in i think vietnam i heard where sure. uh, people would flyer american you know especially um uh, black american troops and and officials and, and military people and would say essentially why are you do- why are you working for america america does not care about you right um, yeah. Think this over, and and maybe don't be shooting at us because yeah. what is your country even even? How does it treat you? You know this kind of thing. Sure. So I thought that was just crazy powerful. Yeah, that is that. It, no, I agree. Yeah, but at, at the same time, I feel like the whole show could have been that. Ah. Does that make sense? I think so. You mean to where, to take out? I mean, that's true. Take out some of this other stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's like. And, and and that's and maybe that's too simple. Maybe that's simplifying things too much. Uh-huh. But like, you know, if I were sitting down to write a show and my opening image was that yeah. of this show, uh-huh. and then you have all these elements in there, I yeah. would want to bring that thematically in to a, 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 a you know, bring uh-huh. it into home base sure. by the last episode. Yeah. And I don't think that happened, but I don't think that I don't think that negates all of that. I think yeah. Yeah. It's all there, right? Sure, sure. But I don't know that it ends with this is what the show's about. I think yeah. all of those things exist, are, are, are in there, and they're very strong and powerful. Yeah. But I don't know that it landed in a way that said, this is what I'm taking away. Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? I think so, yeah. Just, just structurally, just from a, a narrative standpoint of... Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think you could argue that it's that there are elements of that. I think it's a fair critique to say maybe it didn't hit that hard enough. But at the end, and I'm sort of talking out of my ass because I haven't watched the end in a long time. But I do remember at the end, right? One of the one of the wonderful things is that um, what's his name, Will Reeves, her grandfather, um, doesn't die at the end, right? She yeah. ends up she ends up taking him in or inviting him to live with her or something like that. And so I feel like that in and of itself and i don't remember the you know dialogue or anything but i feel like that in and of itself is kind of uh, one more nod to that sort of generational race-based trauma that has been to some extent at least in her life kind of not dealt with because it's not the type of thing that ever goes away but at least sort of you know is is nodded to again that maybe it's better than it was when we started i don't know yeah you know and and i I think you're right I, i think it's more of a thing where you're watching the show and all of these things are there and it does land there. But yeah. also don't forget Adrian Vite because he's mm-hmm. off on Jupiter doing this thing. And Oh, she yeah. loved Dr. Manhattan. See, right. like right, it's right. like, yeah. it's distracting yeah. from the core of sure. what this show is. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah. it's Watchmen. You have to have those characters true. and they have to play, you know, true part of me. One half of me was like, "Yes, Doctor Manhattan's here, and mm. he's uh, and he's 
a key player in the story. Mm-hmm. Yes, we keep going to Adrian Veidt. I love seeing him, yeah. but at the same time, like the other part of me was like, no, keep me on the ground with with uh-huh. Angela and yeah. the police and and yeah. figuring out the that just more of a straight through line of, of yeah. where the show starts and how it ends. Yeah, no, that's fair. So that's fair. Yeah. All right. Well, um, you want to uh, you want to rate the Watchmen then? Rate HBO's Watchmen? Uh, yeah. Or is there any it. final thoughts? I don't mean to cut you off. I don't think <laughs> so. And and I uh, I'm I it's one of those things where if I have any like critiques like that, yeah, it doesn't. I don't know how t- my tone comes off. I think it's a I think it's a great show. Sure. Um, yeah. And. I think it's an important show, yeah. um, and I think you can always do something in a way that like could could kind of sharpen it. But at the yeah. same time, it's like it's also a Watchmen show, and if sure. you gave us a Watchmen show without like yeah the Watchmen in it, then yeah. like without any doing? sort of yeah right. exactly. Um, well, yeah, no, and I and I think I think that type of takeaway is important because I think this is something that. I figured you would enjoy, um, and I definitely yeah. come to it absolutely primarily as a fan. But at the same time, I mean, the point of the podcast is not, hey, isn't this thing cool? You know what I mean? So I, yeah. I do want to yeah. keep that sort of critical eye. Yeah, cool. So you want to you go ahead and give a number? Are you ready, or you want me to go? Whatever. Yeah. Okay. You go, you go for it. Okay. Um, well, I do, like, I, I do think that those things are fair, uh, fair critiques, and I'm glad you brought them up. I, I do see how I might be more, or not more into, um, I don't fully mean it as a criticism, but I can see that view of sort of, I don't want to get lost too much in the space stuff and too much in the Dr. Manhattan stuff. Give me Angela Abar, give me the 7th Cavalry, make it complex emotionally and morally, but at the same time, keep it about race in America because some of that stuff right. is so good and so complicated. Um, that said, I, I love this show. I think it's important. I mean, even <laughs> even if the only thing it did was enlighten me to the Tulsa Massacre and then and then the rest of it sucked, it would still have been worth yeah. watching. But yeah, nonetheless... At, yeah. you know, at the same time, have a show completely carried yeah. on the back of yeah. Regina King oh, yeah. um, as the lead oh, like, yeah. for, for a superhero yeah. show. Like, yes. that's... Like it's important to see this. Like it is. There, it's important to have more of this. Yes, it is you know? important to see this, and I th- I think it's it's a genius move on the part of the creators, not just Lindelof, but all of them. It's a genius move to tie to make a Watchmen show where the through line is about race relations. Like this is not what the book was about. Um, no. This is not what the themes of the book were. And so to take it and tell this wildly original story that is tied to this other world of the book, but at the same time, it doesn't. It makes it not feel like a rehash. It makes it feel like um, a sort of a sort of in depth, well done, not homage, but sort of um, yeah. You know, it, it respects its its original material, but at the same time, I just think it's super brilliant to go Watchmen, but like it's not just gonna be Watchmen. It's gonna be yeah. Watchmen no, about you know America and race and stuff. Um anyway, so all that said, I think I'm not gonna give it a perfect score, obviously, but for me this one's really, really high. Um all the thematic stuff. I'm a big thematic guy, so um that that hits me pretty hard. So I'm gonna give it a nine out of ten. And I'm gonna give it a Nine out of ten red fordations. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna give it. Which is I think a little bit of a pejorative term in world. Like um well, I mean, right. I know it's pejorative, but I don't know if it's like problematic for me to say that in the real world, but that's the that's the measure I'm going with because I thought that I was know. that was clever and and 
funny and also like of course that would be a thing if yeah. if, if black yeah. americans were paid back for all their generational trauma and suffering so anyway nine out of ten for me just just allowing myself to watch this again i think my score would be higher watching it again sure just kind of like not being as caught off guard by and it's funny that like the character guy is like Oh, so it's like a Dr. Manhattan love story? That's weird. Like, you know, <laughs> sure, like, sure, sure. It's like yeah. human character. Like, yeah. But uh, I, I think my, my initial my initial score would be something like a 7.8 yeah. to, to 8. Okay. 7.8 to 8.2 is kind of where I would sit sure. initially. It's still pretty high. Sure. But as, as like a writer, I'm thinking like... I, I, d- I don't know if it's fair to, to say a show of this cal- caliber had some missed opportunities, but mm. maybe, sure. <laughs> you know, yeah, maybe, sure. but I did, I, I did think that everything in there was, was the craft and the storytelling and the way they did it was just top notch. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, the acting was top notch. The writing was top notch. It's just maybe, maybe I wanted it to be, again, I think, I, I think I was just caught off guard with some of the, the, the turns. Sure. And it's funny to think that, uh, Lindelof was a writer on Lost, right? <laughs> I know. Yeah, of course. So yeah, you can definitely that, tell. He, um, yeah. Go ahead. At the same time, I'm I'm not I'm not a Lost is ruined because the end. No, like, no, 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 no. Uh-uh. Y'all go home with that. Yeah. Like yeah, don't yeah. don't you enjoyed a, a show for years yeah. and then like yeah what threw it you, all away. What would you have done? How would you have landed that plane? Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's like you enjoyed the ride. Hush. Yeah, exactly. You exactly. Enjoyed. Well, and also, but at the same time, you can critique it like I'm doing right now. Yeah, like, of course. You know, like, you can do both. You can walk and chew gum at the same time. And also, uh, one of the things I did think was funny about this being a, a Lindelof thing was you can tell that he knew exactly where he was going from minute one. Granted, it's only nine episodes, but like. It yeah, was, you know, yeah. from the opening beat, there's no question about where this is going. This is not like lost in that way. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, but I, I'm going to I'm gonna go with my 8.2 score because okay. I do think just socially it's an important thing to watch. Sure. It, it's, but it's also a fun thing to watch. It's also, there's so much stuff to dig into. It gives you yeah. the Watchmen feelings of like, yeah. of your youth, if you've uh, had any Watchmen feelings of your youth. <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna give it eight point two, frozen, mini squids. <laughs> yeah, frozen fatal mini squids frozen is what fatal. I'm gonna give it. Oh, that's right. I had forgotten about that scene. That's very very yeah. good. Nice. So we got uh, what did I give it? Nine out of ten. Nine out of ten and eight point two out of ten yeah. respectively. I mean, it's good showing for a great show. Uh, it's a great show. Nothing's perfect. We but, didn't even talk know. about the score, but the score is dope. It's Trent Rez- Reznor yes. and Atticus Ross. Absolutely, so good. Yeah, um, we didn't we didn't talk about the art direction. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in this in this show that uh, yeah. is just off the charts great. We didn't even talk about Louis uh, Louis Gossett Jr. or Louis Gossett Jr. Uh, I forget yeah. how you say his first name, but he's amazing. You think I could lift 200 pounds? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I love it. He's so good. All right. There's so much good stuff. There's so, so much, much to dig into. Stuff. I know. It's, uh, again, it's one of those things. I'm going to watch it again and just enjoy every bit of it yeah. and, and soak it in. I fully um, I fully recommend uh, pairing it with the official Watchmen podcast. There's only three episodes of it. And one of yeah. the things I liked about doing this is that podcast is not critical in any way. You know, it's just very yeah. much talking to Lindelof and like 
bragging on the show and stuff because it's made by HBO, which is fine. Yeah. But that's one of the things I've loved about doing this is like some of your critiques. I was like, oh shit, like I wasn't thinking in as critical of a mode when I was listening to that podcast. I was just going, oh yeah, that's cool. And then this is cool. Um, sure. So, but I definitely recommend on a rewatch pairing it with that because it gives you more insight. And mm-hmm. and also we didn't even and and I'll be done after I say this, but um, we also didn't even talk about the Pedipedia, which is the character uh, I forget his first name, but it's Pedi something uh, something Pedi and. And uh, he's the one who online fans were speculating was the lubed up guy. Um, okay. And, and he also he's the one who is the um, who is Laurie's uh, assistant or what? Not assistant, but she, he's the one who gets assigned oh. with her. Um, and he knows everything about the sort of initial Watchmen universe, right? Uh, yeah. He knows everything about Doctor Manhattan, all this stuff. And so the writers put up something on one of the HBO websites called the Pedipedia, which gives you like lots and lots of in-world world-building documents to help people put things together yeah. and stuff. So very very cool. Yeah, I, I feel like if I had watched this show while like digging into all that stuff, it would be yeah. a different experience. Sure, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's kinda oh. that's kind of very very much like the book too, where you get these sort of the end of each issue has these in world documents yeah. that you get and stuff. So Yeah. Nice. Well that's HBO's Watchmen. Uh we both highly recommend it, I think. Um not perfect, yep. but oh. worth worth watching. It's better than plot against America. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On those fighting words, uh we'll leave you with that. This is the Common Creatives yeah. Podcast. Uh, I enjoyed watching it more. Okay. No, I, I there were so many moments watching this where I'm like it still gives me like you're all still, of the, the still <laughs> critique right of of yeah. of society but yeah. at the same time like i'm like yeah they're like superheroes yeah 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 totally <laughs> totally um all right well this is common creators podcast uh reach out tell us what you want us to talk about like i said at the beginning of the show you can hit us up on instagram at common creators podcast or via the uh, electronic mails at common creators podcast at gmail.com we're a dual production of rock candy recordings out of Asheville, North Carolina, and also the Destination Nation Network out of right here in beautiful Louisville, Kentucky. And in terms of a complex show about racism and that instructed or educated you on the 1921 uh, massacre and also is, I know, and also is maybe in your estimation a little too sci-fi, but is ultimately a very good show. Would you say that you concur, Doctor? I think I will on this one. Okay. All right. For once. <laughs> For once. Yeah. Also, it comes back to me every time that I call you the doctor at the end, and that could probably just completely yeah. confuse at least some yeah. person who listens. So that's fun. Yeah. I think I think in the the, the first episode we were just kind of both doctors. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, but All right. I'm not. Do you I'm concur not do you concur, Dr. Manhattan? <laughs> Mr. Manhattan <laughs> concurs. <laughs> All right, sweet. Thank you for listening, DNN. For more shows like this one, visit rockcandyrecordings.com.